Hey, I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. He's famous and he talked to me. The only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's gonna take to kick your ass. Can I have your, can I have your autograph, please? What's up? How's life? He seems nice. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Just hang on to your lariat. Wonder what kind of a speed I'm getting into. And welcome to Behind the Panels, issue 107, the comic book show that still firmly believes that Hello Kitty is a cat. I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. I'm David Longo. In this issue, the greatest American hero is set to return to television. We're not sure if we believe it or not. Also, Donald Glover is Spider-Man. We get outbid on eBay for Action Comics number one. (laughs) Then, it's the fate of Richard Ryder, new series Pop, Bob's Burgers and Wayward, and the latest in the saga saga in what we've been reading. Blast our kick-ass pick of the week. Seconds, an original graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley. This is Behind the Panels. They say we're young and we don't know. Won't find out till we Well, I don't know. While that's true, cause you got me, baby, I got you. Hey. I got you, baby. And good you, morning, <laughs> wonderful <laughs> citizens of Puxtatani, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I've I heard that resist. every morning yeah. at six o'clock. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know how many times we've recorded that intro? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, behind the scenes, it's about the fourth time we've recorded that it's, intro. It's been about 800 days. <laughs> yeah. I'm still David McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still Richard Gray. Um, yeah, so look, this, this show is a little bit about repetition, so it's probably appropriate. I would we, actually like to point out, though, that the gag about we're still not sure if we believe it or not was yeah. funny the third time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you liked that there as well. And uh, we had uh, that was Captain America in the opening uh, dialogue as well. Phil? Phil Connors? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I need to watch Groundhog Day again. I think Let's so. Let's watch that after this. But um, look, well, let's kick this off just very quickly. We've mentioned this on every show since we've been able to talk about it, is that Behind the Panels are going to appear live at Oz Comic Con Sydney on the 13th and 14th of September. Oh, yeah. So that means we're doing this show live and in flesh. We don't know who we're talking to because two of the international guests Although, let's be clear, not too much flesh. I will be dressed. <laughs> I'm wearing a, I'm wearing like a body <laughs> stocking. <laughs> I'll be there um, in spirit. Um, I'll be in heaven. I'll, I'll, I'll be like uh, Tobias Funky. <laughs> uh, I, blew I blew myself. myself. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm a never nude. Uh, with some special guests uh, that we don't know who they're going to be because. Uh, but hopefully still they're great. Um, and we hope everything's going to work. It's basically this show live and in color. We've been talking about doing Batman the Killing Joke, and we might do, if we do a different book on the second day. Uh, which we haven't confirmed yet. We'll probably do something like Batman Year One. Yeah, so that's not quite a- confirmed yet whether it's going to be two completely separate shows mm. or if it's going to be the same show twice. But we may as well get because we're going to put them out as two separate shows. We may as well do two different shows. We'll do our so. Dark Knight Returns the first day. Dark Knight <laughs> Strikes again. <laughs> <And> the second. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not striking that again. No, but there is going to be out at Oz Comic Con this year, and of course, all the details are at OzComicCon.com. Uh, if, if you go out to either the Brisbane or the Sydney show, there is a big 75th anniversary Batman exhibit there. And I've seen photos of this thing. It's magnificent. It was the one that was at um, uh, New York Special Edition. Right. Uh, or Special Edition New York, which was the comics-only convention from the makers of uh, NYCC. Oh, okay. So Reed Popper behind all this. They basically brought this thing that's just been in these two major American conventions 
out to Australia. So we're actually getting something that was at a Comic Con. Can in I the tell States. you how excited I'm getting about this? Anyway, this is gonna this is gonna be big. This is gonna be one of the big Australian cons. I think this is this is the con that'll put. Um, you know, Australian content on the map. Absolutely. Finally, so. Can we also make a very quick announcement around this? Because I have had people sending me emails about it. Uh, I know not everybody listens to this show, but if we get it out somewhere, and we will put this out on Twitter as well, uh, people have been asking where the film shows are. Yeah. And basically, mm-hmm. uh, we've had to kind of hiatus GMC and film actually just for the next few weeks until we get past Comic-Con. There's yeah. a lot of planning and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on about this. We're keeping this show going because we're just gluttons for punishment. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just to let you know that after Comic-Con is all done, after all Comic-Con mm-hmm. is all finished, we'll, GMC and film actually will be back. So. But, but talking about that, a lot's <clears throat> been going on in the world at the moment. Um, and I'd like to have this special message straight from ISIS. People who come from different backgrounds or different countries deserve the same respect that we give to anyone else. Putting someone down because they speak a different language or is a different color than we are just doesn't make sense. What does make sense is treating others just the way we want them to treat us. See you next week. Words we can all live by. Lessons from ISIS, as I said. <laughs> the other ISIS. I know. It's, I know. I know it. I know it's terrible. But like, whenever they have a story about ISIS in the Middle East at the moment on television, I know what they're doing is abhorrent and terrible. But every time I hear the story, I either think of ISIS, that 1970s uh, Shazam show, yep. or Archer. <laughs> yeah, because the spy organization is ISIS and that, and I can't can't get it out of my head every you time have, I hear the You've story. ruined me. Can I, can, I, can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? I used to, I, I'm old enough that I used to get up every Saturday morning to watch Shazam and ISIS. There's, I used to love those. The Shazam and ISIS Power Hour or something. something like that. It yeah. was fantastic. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll be- have our prime minister giving a speech. I love ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is and for those for those of you who are too young to know, ISIS is in reference to a Egyptian goddess, not yeah. not a it terrorist was, organization. It was, it was kind of Ms. Marvel, but not really. Well, yeah, it was a spin-off. It was the all original, in that magical world because it was all a spin-off. Sorry, from I should Shazam, say the original so. Marvel girl rather not Ms. Marvel. Uh, the, 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 it's too confusing. DC's Marvel family. It's confusing. Go look. Can it I up. just point Shazam. out something for the listeners on the Richard show notes? It's got. Vintage clip ISIS, and then in parentheses, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> <laughs> just in case Richard got confused. Yeah. <laughs> just to remind myself to do, that, to do that whole bit that I just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, let's look at something a little more recent in the 70s. Ignore in- the man behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, shit, yeah. Sorry, sorry, guys. I, I've been pulling the curtain too much. <laughs> We're more- naked right now. Recent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David said at the start of this show before, like three seconds before we started recording, David's like, God, I'm so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, to, to prepare for the live show, they've got four armed guards standing right there. <laughs> One is a chainsaw. We should come out Blues Brothers style at the live show, like have the microphones in a, in a briefcase and like handcuff to your wrist. <laughs> All right, let's do what we've been reading because I can't think of a segue. Where? Looks like we got ourselves a reader. Read between the lines, bitch. Okay, contrary to the show notes in front of you, I want to start with Guardians of the Galaxy 18 because this is probably the book that we've been anticipating the most for like the last couple of years, well, last year or so since mm. we've read the end of the Thanos imperative. This is the first part, tying in with Original Sin, this is the first part of the, hey, 
Richard Ryder, where you been, boy? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think that's what it's called, isn't yeah, it? That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> hey, Richard Ryder, that's where you been, boy? Called. Part one. <laughs> you know? uh, so, but it starts off really jarringly. Like Gamora's got. No, you know they should they should have called it one month to return. <laughs> one month to return. Well, look, it starts off this really jarring kind of Richard Ryder. Uh, sorry, Richard Ryder. Um, Star Lord is strapped to a chair by Gamora. I'll bet uh, he was. Yeah, <laughs> who's dancing around him with with a what razor blade? What they do in the privacy and, of their spaceship is actually, none of our business. That's really appropriate. He's dancing around in a um, with a with, with, with hooked on a feeling, playing while with a razor blade. But anyway, uh, they've got <laughs> stuck um, in the middle. With stuck you. in the middle with you, just you know. Uh, but yeah, so they've got, uh, and then immediately goes into a flashback. She's saying, "No, I can't stand it any longer. What happened? How did you get out of the cancer verse? It's kind of like, well, you've taken a while to not be able to stand it any longer. But anyway, go on, tell the story. And so you do get what is effectively an issue long flash or half of a flashback. Because it's still a, there's a cliffhanger at the end of this to be continued, mm. and you know some people have complained about that. It's like, what did you expect? Do you think they're going to give it to us all at once? You know, of course they're not going to give it to us all at once. Um, I think but, it's also taken this long for Brian Michael Ben just to try and think yeah, of a way to get, get, get them out of it. <laughs> like, what do but, people want though? Do they want just one issue where it, you it explains know, everything? Like, and or like, how did you come back, Nova? And he just shrugs. And he goes, yeah. No, how did you come back, Nova? Well, Cosmic Cube. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the first thing, like three pages into this, giddy thrill, the old uniforms, mm. like the, the Star-Lord mask, it's all there, Richard Ryder rocketing out. It's kind of like, I've got nothing to complain about because that's, that's just the scene I've been waiting mm. for. This is literally what happened next, you know, and next. You know, this is this is it. And next month, I will be reading Guardians of the Galaxy number nineteen with massive anticipation. You and so, half the other fans yeah, of the Guardians of the Galaxy and world. That's that's it. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing to. Spo- <laughs> we can't spoil anything because there's nothing really to spoil. Um, but that's that's. He comes back, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know. We know. I uh, think that happens. I think Star Lord comes back. Yeah, no, yeah I'm not yeah. quite sure. Uh, but some of the other newer stuff that's been out this week um, is Pop number one. Now, what this an was an odd little book. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was basically positing the idea that uh, this is out from Dark Horse. This is the idea that um, pop stars are literally manufactured, manufactured Matrix style, like in little cocoons. In little cocoons, and yeah. they're like, you know, that's where we made Britney. That's where Christina came out of. And they cut to some guy with like it's like. Um, Dustin Beaver or Dustin, something. Yeah, what do they call him? I can find it. Something like that. But it's basically a Justin Bieber clone who's who's like... Because he, he's well, talking about his retirement, which is what Justin Bieber actually just did. And, and then suddenly he wasn't retired anymore. anymore. And this is kind of kind of positing the idea with these people why he retracted his, his yeah. retirement. Uh, and so you, you get the, the idea. <laughs> the idea behind this book is that they're uh, literally manufactured pop stars who are let out into the, you know, the, the world to, to become big stars. And then they suddenly start doing things on their own accord and there's a suggestion that there are people behind the curtains going, what made you think you could think for yourself? You know? <laughs> so it is, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's, it's got me in for issue two. Mm. Um, uh, D- Dustin Beaver. Dustin yeah. Bieber. Dustin yeah, Bieber. that's what I said. Yeah. Subtle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it always says like the porn parody version It of does, Bieber. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, this book was kind of fun. Or it sounds like, actually, it sounds like a gulf porn, Dusty Beaver. <laughs> <you know? laughs> this book was kind of fun. I think you and I discussed this before the show, Richard, where we were actually saying that the idea is solid, but the execution's not quite there. Yeah, it's, it's not just, quite there. I mean, it's got, as I said, enough for us to issue two. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have a look but, at it. But it's, it's only like, four issues or something, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's like I don't need to read the next one. Uh, also out this week was Wayward Number One, which is Jim Zub, who's the guy that does Skull Kickers, and this is really interesting. It's about this girl who moves to Japan, 
um, because that's where her mother's from and she's this red-headed girl because her father's Irish and she's never been to Japan before. So the, the, the first couple of pages are a little bit, hey, Japan's all about this and a little, a little bit of potted history <laughs> of Japan. And, you know, as, as a bit of, J- of Japanophile myself, um, I, I kind of devoured some of that stuff. because like, yeah, yeah, I know. And, it, and the art in there is uh, Stephen Cummings' art. Is, is immaculate. It's beautiful because you, you recognize locations if you've ever been to Japan because they're, they're fairly iconic locations like, um, uh, um, like shopping areas and so, such, so forth. But um, you know, she suddenly realized, she, she realizes that she's got some abilities and this sort of spirit, uh, this kind of spirit warrior thing appears to her. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is yet. Um, and they get into a fight in an alley with these demon things. Uh, and it's all based on a bit of Japanese mythology in there as well. It's a little too kitty-centric for my likings because, and it's very much drawing from manga influences because um, that's where Stephen Cummings' previous stuff is, right, has been. Right. And he's done everything from like <coughs> the Star Trek manga to, to big Tokyo pop stuff. Um, I'm, I will read again. I'll read issue two because it, there's enough. It actually drew me in. Story-wise, it drew me in. But the overall feel was a little too team-centric I'm intrigued for me. by this series. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I don't know if it's sold me, but I'm intrigued. But by it. there's a definite market in there because, like, the uh, that it's going for, and it's a younger market because it's got, like, the, 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 the warrior that she meets has, like, an army of cats. So you know kind of who they're going for. And, and in reference to the, uh, the opening line in there, Hello Kitty is not a cat, because apparently Sanrio had to clarify with someone this week, and this was a big LA Times article, and it's confirmed that Sanrio said, Hello Kitty's not a cat. She's a little girl who lives in London. Um, she has a pet cat. The pet cat's name is Charmy. Um, well, so thank you for clarifying. That's been the clarification. All these years I've been thinking the, the thing with the cat head and the, the whiskers was a cat. We right. were wrong. Oh, okay. So just just, just clarifying that because, you know, we need to put that. There are Hello Kitty comics, so we can talk about it. Um, Bob's Burgers had a comic out this week as well, which I, I love the show. Oh, so uh, do I. Look, I love the TV show. I think the TV show is yeah. hysterically funny. I felt the same way about this book as I feel about the Simpsons comics, yeah. which is I watch the Simpsons because it's an overall package. It's the voices. It's the, it's the animation. Yeah. It's everything else. Mm. I don't think this works as a comic book. It just felt a little bit silly. There, well, there are some Simpsons comics that work because they sort of go off and do their own artistic thing and do their own tone, mm. which is which is what the comic adaptation should do. It should be able to do something that you can't do in a regular show. And I know Australian artist Dean Rankine does a lot of Simpsons comics and his stuff's really good. Actually, I haven't read a lot of Simpsons um, comics, but I've read a lot of Futurama comics. Yeah. And I kind of like them just because that world is so large and huge. Yeah. You get like different I could actually different see pockets. that working, yeah. 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 yeah, it was Futurama never quite managed to capture as much scope as it could on television because it kept stopping and starting and no. all that sort of stuff. But so Futurama was still... Futurama is a, Futurama is a marvellous show. I've got, I've got all the seasons at home on DVD mm. or blue. But um, I liked kind of the approach of this as sort of an anthology book. So you get, you know, a Tina story... Uh, uh, Tina the Horse. Tina the Horse, mm. which was probably the strongest one in there because it, yeah. it was the only one that did something different. Completely different from the and show. And the course. other two were basically could have been uh, uh, literally uh, episodes of the mm. show. Curiously enough, though, there was very little Bob. Um, and I've uh, got to forget his Linda's his wife. Linda, yeah. yeah. It's mostly li- about the kids. There's very little Bob or Linda in there. And so you had two absences. You had the lead, the titular character completely missing from the book, um, almost completely missing, except for a list of his uh, burger choices. Yes. So it was like one of them was like uh, burgers of 80s songs. And it was like, you know. Um, that was actually the funniest page you know, in the book. Yeah, it was something like, yeah. you know, every, um, every uh, shiitake you take or something. <laughs> I think the bottom was crossed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's every breath you shiitake or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that was something like that's what it was. Um, 
so things like that. But H. John Benjamin's voice is a huge part of both it and Archer. Yes. Um, and so to take his voice out of it, and actually all the voices in that. Interestingly enough, it's uh, Kristen Schaal is the only female actress on that show. All the other people are voiced by men. Interesting. Yeah, including Linda, including you know, so <laughs> including Tina. Um, so I think that's that's really interesting. But yeah, so I think removing the voice, you remove a large element of what the appeal of Bob's Burgers is. It, it is a TV show, mm. so uh, that's me. If they start mixing up the art and so forth, I'll I'll keep reading it. Oh look, it was it um, was it was a fun diversion. I just mm. don't think it was anything that would was it's really going to grab me to come back. Well, interesting mm-hmm. by by way of comparison, uh, the other book that came out this week uh, and I haven't got it on the list there was the second issue of Doctor Who: The Tenth Doctor, right? Uh, which is the new Titan Comics one, and somehow they do manage to get the rhythms of David Tennant's voice in into the text. So that's one where I did read his voice in my head and I didn't mind it so much because Doctor Who is a, is a program that has worked in multimedia for years. It has been in comics, it has been in novels, it has been in audio. So maybe, you know, maybe it is just because it's animation, it doesn't work quite as well mm. in still form. Um, quickly running through, because I want to talk about um, Saga, which came out this week, but I read the second issue of Gru vs. Conan, uh, which... It's still completely it's crazy, absolutely out of its mind, and it, and I I think I love it. I think I think I love it. And I love, my favorite sequence in the entire book has to be him sitting in the park with all the other hobos who are also all comics creators. creators yeah, <laughs> which I just thought was a joy. Said, then he mentions a character. He mentions goes, Yeah, I think I used to publish that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the the book is. Uh, excuse the language, but the book is batshit crazy. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's out of its mind. And it is really funny. This was actually a much more Conan-centric mm. book this time. Last issue was much more Gru-centric. But it's funny because it was very Conan-centric, but you had like the Gru characters on top of the of very... the very realistic, realistic Conan art, character. Yeah. Which is what I thought the first issue would be. Yeah. So, yeah. There was a so, that, and yeah. and you've still got the, the Aragonist character running around drugged out of his mind in Central Park <laughs> in a hospital gown. It is With the most... With an arseless hospital yeah. gown, yeah. <laughs> what is that? When he sits there and goes, can I get you anything other than underpants? Yeah. <laughs> You know, the book is nuts, and I think Aragonis has delightfully a, nuts. Delightfully nuts, and actually, he has a particular sense of humor. Mm. And if you are tapped into Aragonis' brain, mm. you're going to love it's this. It's one book. that I might even consider getting the collection when it's done. I think you know. so. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading Gru when it first came out, and I thought Gru was delightfully nuts. So. Now, Bodies Number Two came out, which which I I remember we all talked about the first mm. issue, and we all said that because there were the four stories in there. You never really got the rhythm of it. Mm. It chopped and changed. I found that it was exacerbated, whatever that means, um, <laughs> in, um, uh, in issue two because I like I had to kind of re- try and remember what those characters were about because we only got a couple of pages of them in the first issue. So when we came back in the middle of their story in the second issue, it was like, oh, I've, I've, I've lost the thread oh now. My God. I've lost can the thread. I've, no, I've not lost the thread of the whole thing. I've lost the thread of four stories simultaneously. Oh, my God. Can I just tell you something? Bodies yeah. is one of the few books on this list that I – Bodies number two, I didn't get to this yeah. week. Um, and when I was actually going through the list of books that I had to read and I was reading all the books, I got to Bodies number two and I went, it's okay, I haven't read Bodies number one, so <laughs> I'll, I'll just miss out. I completely <laughs> forgot that I read Bodies, Bodies number, number one. Yeah. That's how little impact it made on me. I, I, as soon as you started describing I went, oh my God, I did read that. At, at, at this point, at this point, this is one of those ones where I'm going to wait till it's done and then read the lot together. I think I may have to. Because it's like eight issues. Because so. yeah, I don't, I, I, until um, you mentioned it, I had no memory of it. Uh, that is terrible. I'll quickly mention uh, <laughs> Low number two came out. I actually read that last week as an advanced copy. Um, everything I said about the first issue stands uh, for this. I don't, I don't want to talk about it too much. Superman number 34, I'll, I mentioned quickly because this is Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. I didn't realise this came out this week. Uh, this, was, this is the third issue of their arc. I still and quite like it. This is still classic Superman. I, I gave this quite a good review when I wrote up a piece for Newsarama. And I've been reading a lot of Grant Morrison lately, so I've been getting into the whole Superman as an icon thing. 
It's interesting, the reactions, though, and I very rarely read the comments, but I wanted to read the comments on Rama for, for this one. And people were like, this is the worst Superman that's ever written. This is like 70s Superman. With exactly. It. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I like it. Yeah. But, mm. you know, because my, my, my review was basically saying this is a return to the kind of classic feel that I like about Superman, that the things that I love about Superman are also the things I hate about Superman. Mm. Um, and that there's always been that, that, that weird kind of uh, There's also There's also a problem with Superman that drives me a little bit bonkers, which is he is such an overpowered character mm. that they sometimes mess with it. And you sit there and go, but wait a minute, we've already established the rules that he's super powerful, like these mind control bugs yeah. that are in this one. It's like you sit there and go, they wouldn't penetrate his skin. Well, it, it's, it's, it's a whole show. This is a whole show, yeah. guys. Move, move, yeah. move on. It, it, is yeah, yeah. Show. it is a whole show, but but it's kind of like... you know, Superman's it, like my favorite. Speaking of like... it's like, I love yeah. Superman, don't get me wrong. But actually, read, after reading Morrison, you kind of think... No, Superman is the greatest character ever because because mm. his original intention and they've strayed away from this is what I think this book brings it back to is the idea that he is the best version of ourselves. He is the and ultimate. He is, he is the, even more so than Captain America. He is the ultimate, ultimate Boy Scout. He's the ultimate Boy Scout. He's the best version of ourselves. And and then it's kind of like you. You got to do it in Grant Morrison speak though. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's the, the best, best version of ourselves, ourselves, but he's not even human. human? <laughs> you know, and but that's the and that's the this is where this book kind of pushes it because it's all about hope. Yeah. And the difference, because you have this other character who had a very similar origin story to him, and where they diverge is is where. And so this character at the start just basically says about Superman, all the trials, all the tribulations he's had, he's never lost his hope, mm. and that is why we aspire to be Superman. Anyway, and um, uh, there's actually there's actually something just just to tap on that. I love one of the things I love about this particular run of Superman is because it is pure Superman mm. in the sense that. We've gone so dark and everything else with comic books nowadays that there's that there's that sequence in this. I want to do a Superman book. We got to do a Superman <laughs> book. There's a. I, I want to do a Kurt Swan book. Anyway, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Let's do some Death of Superman. I think. I think that's is that Kurt that, Swan? No, 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 not no, no. Of course not. That's no, no. way later. I want to do. I want to do late seventies, early eighties Superman. Let's a get real man of tomorrow. Yeah, 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 we should yeah. do yeah. Death of Superman. Though. I think that's a good. Anyway, uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the things I really love about this book is the fact that when Ulysses meets his parents in this, right, and he's looking at pictures and they say, you know, we couldn't find you back, blah blah, and will you ever forgive us? And Ulysses. Now, in modern day comic books, Ulysses would have turned around and said, damn you all to hell, I hate you, how could you have abandoned me, blah, blah, blah. In this, he turns around and goes, I'm just glad you're alive. Yeah. You know? And you sit there and go, that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a dark strike streak and he's to him. Like, and he's like, he's sitting by Superman's bed like a half like a little kid. I was wondering if you slept. I wonder if you slept. And, he's, you know? and the other half of him is like, um, it's, it's like he's just found a best friend and he's yeah. never had a best friend yeah. before, you know? And I really and love that. Yeah. And I love the fact that his <laughs> family says to Superman, you're part of our family now. And he's yeah. like, oh, go through my... That's amazing. I've just been thinking about it, like, you know, about Superman. Like, what the... That storyline at the... Towards the tail end of the death of Superman, the world without Superman. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. remember this? Like, yeah, yeah. that... I think that's a really good place to look for if you want to know how... It, great Superman can be. It's a, a, Point a, of a world without Superman. You see Metropolis and Smallville and every the, the whole DC universe yeah. you know when something? he's not there. You want to know something? When I first started collecting comics as a teenager, not my first comic, but when I first started collecting comics, that was the first one I bought. Yeah, right. Yeah, back in 90, 92, Superman. 93. That was like yeah, the yeah. first one There's I our bought pick on of the a regular, okay. regular basis. Um, okay. Uh, actually, let's do, actually, I'm going to declare it right now. Let's do Man of Steel. Oh, the John Byrne. The John Byrne. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. All right, let's yep. do John. It's only six just, issues or something. Yeah, it's only, well, I thought how, it was like 10. Nah, he, anyway. go, he goes for about three volumes. 
Okay. No, no, the original the, miniseries. The original miniseries. Oh, the original. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, seven, yeah. eight issues, six yeah, issues, whatever it is. It's not very long. That's the one we're going to do. The, the official Sorry. origin at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, before it was retconned and then retconned and again. And then retconned and then retconned. And then the official one's Jeff Johns. We're, we're, our, <laughs> our, our, we're going to do every- No, nah, Zack Snyder, that's the, that's the true stuff. Zack Snyder, the Man of Steel stuff. Man of Steel really got it. Without getting into it, this is the differences between the two versions of Superman. You have your Man of Steel, which came along much later- but then originally he was thought of as the man of tomorrow. Yeah. And this is what um, the Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr. arc is aspiring to be, return it to the man of tomorrow, not yep. the man of steel. It's a, it's a um, good series. Great jumping on point. You're only three issues in. This is what you want to do. This is what you're reading. doing. Because you, you can basically start reading Superman. From 30 the books of man, 30, 30, yeah, 31. 31, 32. 32. 32. 32. 32. So 34. if you've got a spare $3 million... You can buy uh, num- action coach number one. Now there's a starting point for you. Yeah. 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 Just to bring it back. <laughs> um, also, look, Harley Quinn number 10 came out this week. Last page. Is, uh, and I, I, as soon as I turned to the last page of this book, I was like, McVeigh. <laughs> because I was actually reading the, the issue and thinking, this is so much like the Power Girl stuff. It's not funny. Like everything down to there's like a cosmic thing happening there. It was like those great one-off issues in the original Palmiotic Connor run. It was. Do you know what would make my day? Yeah. Actually, do you know what would make my year? Mm. Is if the next issue, which is obviously going to well, have Power Girl, be, yeah. is drawn by Amanda Connor. Yeah. If we have one issue drawn by her, this that should be the one. This would make my goddamn make year. year. <laughs> yeah. But mind you, the current artist is, is, oh, is, it, is and sensational, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. But if Connor did it. Oh my god! And if, if, the only thing I can really hope for is Connor does the covers. I'm waiting for the power. I've been getting cover. these digitally. I almost want to go back and get Harley Quinn the series. In I'm gonna print. buy. It. I'm gonna buy. Yeah, it. I'm gonna get the collections yeah. when they come out. Um, and look, finally, Saga. Actually, before Saga, because yeah. that's going to be a big talking point. The other one that I read this week was Painkiller Jane, Twenty Two Brides, uh, issue ah. two. Issue two came out this week, which is also Palmiotti uh, and Palmiotti and Gray uh, yeah, yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Um, this is uh, the latest incarnation of Painkiller Jane. This is an odd little book. The idea is that there's this little organization where they are literally called the Twenty Two Brides. It's Twenty Two women who seem to be working with the government, but I. You, they're kind of freelancers at the same time and they're friends with Painkiller Jane and they're mm. actually dealing with a terrorist. This is not a bad little series. It's only supposed to be three or four issues long. So yeah, I've never well, read I've, Painkiller Jane. I might I've been getting into it a little yeah. bit lately. I, I Way late into coming into Painkiller Jane because I had no idea it was Palmiotti. <laughs> right. And that, since I found out it was a Palmiotti creation, I've been going back and actually catching up and on Painkiller Jane. Apparently the finale to All-Star Western, which finished this week, right. uh, number 34, because it was the last... Um, Palmiotic Ray All Star West. Apparently, it's magnificent. I'm gonna have to read that so, too. I'm I'm fast becoming it's the end of their Jonah Hex run. Basically. I'm fast becoming uh, the the biggest Palmiotic fan in history. No, he's, he's amazing. Like I, I want to read some of his other non his, his stuff, he's yeah. the only man, and the series is finished now. He couldn't he couldn't bring it out of its numbers, but he did actually manage to resurrect Batwing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bat, yeah. Once he took over, Batwing was a much better book. It was a much better read. Hey, David, I've got those on my iPad. <laughs> I, just haven't, I haven't said that since you played that. I know clip. you haven't. <laughs> the listeners were thinking it. They're like, yeah. damn, Dave's read a lot of I've stuff. I've been dude. reading a lot of stuff lately. <laughs> the thing is, at the moment, I, I was talking to, to I was talking to Nemo, who we've mentioned a few times uh, on the show, and who's been on the show, in fact, on our, our um, uh, back on our Judge Dredd issue, talking to him about, like, this is like such an exciting time to be reading comics because there's so many creator-driven things out there. You can pick and choose. You don't have to read everything anymore. Can you I also you can you, read anything. Yeah, absolutely. And can I also yeah. tell you that yeah. this device, not necessarily this one, but the iPad device is what got me back into comics. We, we said that you go back to our first issues in 2011. I used to collect print comics. I used to have mm. long boxes and the whole bit. 
I hadn't read a comic in, it had to be 20 years, mm. yeah. right? I'd just basically fallen away from it. One of the first apps downloaded onto a new tablet device when they first came out was the Marvel app. Started reading digitally and started going, this is pretty good. I've actually bought more print books mm-hmm. mm. since getting back into comics now because I get to read stuff digitally. Because you can, you can sample anything, anytime, at the click of a button. Absolutely. No, this is, the, this is yeah. the gold. This is a golden age right now. If you are thinking at all about getting into comics, When they were first showcasing the iPad, Marvel the, was one of them. The Marvel app that came up, and I was like, that's why I was looking for a reason to buy an iPad. I needed an excuse. As soon as I saw how it rendered on the screens, the, the pre retina screens, even, I was like, there's my excuse right iPad there. one, dude. I went into an Apple store. Yeah, me too. I couldn't afford to buy one because I really wanted one. I'd heard about it and everything else. Went into an Apple store. I'm looking at it. Katie, my wife, is standing next to me. And then I fired up the Marvel app, saw a comic book on screen, and said, here's my credit card. I'm mm. buying one. I bought one that night. It was like that was yeah. that it was like as soon as I saw that page yep. I went it's my It's kind of it's kind of amazing the whole print boom at the moment. I mean like uh there's two big bookstores in the city here in Sydney mm-hmm. like Dimmix and Kinokania, yep. massive massive bookstores and they have both of them have enormous graphic novel collections. Yep. Yeah. And when you it's it's been a regular thing at least for the last 3 or 4 years when I've been heavily into comics. It's like you, you regularly see graphic novels in the top ten yes, bestsellers yep. of the whole store. Because do you know what it's happened? It's insane. Like sagas there in the in the graphic collections, fables and regularly. Do you know what's, ha- you know what's uh, Snyder's Court of Owls stuff yeah. has been in there a few times. Yeah, and, yeah. and do you know yeah. what, do you know why this has happened as well? Is the fact that because uh, I'm a perfect example. I don't collect floppies anymore. Mm. I read single issues digitally. Yes, but I buy collections. I look. Yeah. I still the, the floppies. Yeah. I still buy yeah. are the books I've been buying for. I'm mean, like obviously I'm gonna get Green Arrow mm. and stuff like that. So. And I get Saga in print, and I get Snyder's uh, Batman in print, and I get Daredevil and uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil, and I think I still get I get a couple of other ones. But the things I get in print are the things that I want to collect because mm-hmm. I'm a collector. Yeah. Everything else, I read, I'd say a good eighty percent. I declared this at the start of the year. About eighty percent of my reading now is done digitally, mm. digitally, and we which means I'm also yeah. reading about eighty percent more comics than I used to read. Absolutely, I, I can. I don't I'm like manic to. depressive with it lately. It's like yeah. you know, one week I'll I'll get like five, the next week none, the next week one, <laughs> and then I'll be like, damn, I have t- I have two issues of Saga I'm missing. I need to get those. And then I'll hunt for those, and then I'll miss another two. You know? <laughs> well, let's talk about let's, let's talk, talk about, about saga, saga then. Hey. Saga number twenty two came out, um, and it and it had a. Well, let's I mean let, let's let's skip to the chase. It uh, has the best psych gag of the year. We, we mentioned a couple of issues ago that there was like a. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that there was a couple of uh, issues, issues ago that they were about to reveal a big character. Do we say who it is? Yeah, absolutely. Say? King Robot was he a couple of issues ago, and we kind of when they announced that King Robot was coming, we thought. Well, obviously, if there's a prince robot, there has to be a king. Be and it never really occurred to me before that there was going to be a king robot. The king robot reveal, one, is one of the best uses of a splash page in a comic ever. Yeah. So, so big, big, big hat off to Fiona Staples, who was knocking it out of the park month after month mm. after month. But I literally, I said to David when I saw him first thing today, I said, I, put, I was reading the comic in bed. I was reading the physical comic in bed. I had to put it down for two minutes because I was laughing so hard at this reveal because he's got this giant <laughs> widescreen television for a head. It's a giant plasma yeah, yeah. yeah. As Dave so beautifully put it, it had to be a splash page to fit it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Thinking about it now, yeah. it still cracks me up. And, <laughs> and I needed a laugh at that very minute and I turned the page and it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And his, and his, his scepter looks like a remote control. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just genius. And, and, and the, th- the reason it's so genius because he starts the book with that, and then you have one of later in the issue, you have one of the most devastating uh, conversations between Alina and Marco, yeah. and they've been telegraphing their breakup uh, for for months now. Like she's addicted to drugs, he's kind of hanging. He, he's he's not having an affair, but he's almost having an emotional affair with the babysitter, almost uh, with well, the effective babysitter, yeah. and and. They have this this argument where um, uh, well, he ends up throwing the groceries. He ends up throwing the groceries at her because he says, "Have you ever been in high in front of our daughter?" And but then she's the one who tells him to get out after he throws the groceries because he realizes he's gone too far and yeah. being violent. I but think that it's they, the thing up- is in that argument, you 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 you're kind of behind both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, they both have points to make, but I think it summed up the, the the poignant moment for me is where it cuts to a shot of Hazel in her cot, yeah. and it just says. I don't have anything to say about this. Yep. Mm. You know, yeah. and you just sit there and go, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like- and it reminds you that this is all being told from Hazel's point of yeah. view years later. And it's, yeah, no, it is it's a devastating issue. Uh, also, they said there's that sequence in there where the translator's out because the parents are too far away. So, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, what's the ghost's name? Um, Isabel. Isabel can't talk to the mother. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's hilarious, too. Yeah. Uh, so. It's it's a book that balances comedy and pathos. As you said before the show, Richard, you know you you have to read it last. Yeah, yeah. I, I read, and we've spoken about it last. I have to read this book last because it sucks the air out of the room. It's a ten out of ten. It's, mm. a, it's, a, it's an eleven out of ten book it's every, every month. single yeah. month. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable saying it's a perfect comic. Yeah, there's not a single the, like inch of that thing I could take out to make it better. The only like, book I've ever said that about before this. Uh, as an ongoing, would have been Why the Last Man. Yeah. Same writer, <laughs> and then you get him on this too, and he's and he's doing it as well on um, Private Eye, mm. which is amazing. Which was another one we're going to have to talk. Everything about Everything he's written, basically. He is. Yeah, he is a. I I really want to. We need to do Runaways as well. Yeah. We should do Pride of Baghdad as well. But we do have another excellent book to talk about this week. But next week, which is the highlights of the things coming out on the third of September. Uh, we've got Cloaks, number one, coming out from Boom. Uh, Dark Horse continue fighting characters with each other. Uh, Grendel versus the Shadow. Um, DC starts its future's end. So all, 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 I've just said all DC. Like literally um, all of the... <laughs> David's laughing because of my uh, my note is future's end, all DC. Hey, 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 no, 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 I'm, I'm confused because hasn't future's end been going on for months now? Yeah. yeah. No, these are, this is the future's end. Issues, all the issues. issues. Right, so, like, okay. all the DCs will be. There won't be. Um, it won't be thirty-five next month. It'll be, you know, Green Arrow, Futures End Number One, and uh, so forth. You know, um, I feel like uh, yeah. you, you I was know, laughing because it's like they're starting the Futures. <laughs> yeah, it's been going on for months. Do, do, do you uh, uh, do you uh, remember going way back to? I don't know how if it was still going when you were kids, but when I was a kids, you'd watch late night movies, and then they'd say, "And uh, now with fewer commercial interruptions yeah, or yeah, something like yeah, that." Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about DC. It's like every time you start getting into the swing of anything, it's like here's a special edition. <laughs> it's like now it's exactly how I feel but, sometimes. Um, I think also, I, I haven't read Future's End, but I think I, I will read it all as one. I've, yeah, I well the same thing because they're up to about issue seventeen or eighteen, I think seventeen in the, the digit, actual of book, the actual yeah. book now. And I've I've I I've, read the first couple. I kind of like the idea. It's it's well, it's, the, they, it's the weekly. It's yeah. it's age it's of too much for me. Between that and Batman Eternal, there's a couple of weeklies going. There's just too much to read. Yeah. So like I was saying before, you don't have to read everything, but with those. Uh, like the main Batman book is influenced by Batman Eternal, and I think 
uh, Snyder is co-writing Eternal as well as writing Batman. So bits and pieces influence Mm. each other. Then even in Batgirl, we remember what was happening to Jim Gordon in in, in, um, Eternal is influencing Batgirl. So I kind of have to read these weekly. It looks like Snyder has actually put Eternal in as something that can influence anything in the Bat world. Yes, yes. Because it's not just him. He's he's, he's co-writing with a few people, including James Tinney and so forth. Um, names number one, which is a new Vertigo title coming out next week from Peter Milligan. So that's one to look out for. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, help but laugh at seeing this. Alice Cooper, number one. <laughs> it's a book about Alice Cooper. I've got to read it. <laughs> uh, another School's book. out, guys. <laughs> another book that we have to plug and, and go out. Please go out and buy this one because um, a friend of ours did the art on it. Silent Hill Downpour and Story. And I know that was solicited a while ago, but mm. this is actually coming out next week. Silent Hill Downpour and Story number one. Tristan Jones, Australian artist, uh, T-Rex, you might know him as. He's done some magnificent stuff on Ghostbusters and turtles. a bunch of other turtles. Uh, this is his take on the Silent Hill world. I've been looking at his art that he's been posting on Facebook for months and it is awesome stuff. It is, okay. it is knocking out of the park. Jeez, next, ne- next, next level. Next week's lineups. Uh, God, hates, God Hates Astronauts, number one. Great title. Uh, Death of Wolverine, number one. The, the Probably the most misleading uh, title. I don't believe it. No, like as if, <laughs> as if they're going to kill off the biggest cash no, cow. You know? But it'll still be one worth reading. And Original no, Sin. No, that, that just means everyone's got that wrong. That just means the Death of Wolverine issue one. Issue one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Original Sin. Uh, number eight, which is the end of original sin. I can't wait for that. Week. So I'm really looking forward to that next week. Also, go check out some of our favorite books that are coming out next week: Legendary Star Lord, Rocket Raccoon, and Spider Man. All have th- Spider Man 2099. All have th- issue threes next week. So we will be doing a lot of reading next week, boys. Oh yeah! Um, and on top of that, we also have, have to do 24 issues of Fatal. Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> exciting times. <laughs> I right. hope everybody's got their reading on. <laughs> so you won't see us. We'll be very pale next week. <laughs> All right. I think <laughs> I think it's time for some news headlines. What do you reckon, boys? Marvel will release the first of a series of Star Wars Legends epic collections, beginning reprints of some of the Dark Horse material. Ryo Fukushima is set to replace Devin Aoki as Katana on the third season of Arrow. Amy Gumanik will also join the cast as Cupid, while Nolan Funk will play Felicity's former boyfriend. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Dollhouse star Enver uh, Goka- Gokaj uh, will play yeah. Agent Daniel Sousa in Marvel's Agent Carter, while One Tree Hill star Chad, 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 Chad Michael Murray will play Agent Jack Thompson. G'day. Jack Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Deadline reports that Phil Lord and Chris Miller have been tapped to reboot the greatest American hero <laughs> for television. Donald. Oh, I hope they cast Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. <laughs> hey, we, we laugh now, but they've rebooted some stuff Absolutely. pretty well. Yeah. Donald Glover gets to play Miles Morales Spider-Man in upcoming episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors due to air next year. Video game Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham gets a release date of 11 November in the US following uh, around the world on the 14th of November on most platforms. Get my pre-order in now. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy continues to break records, crossing the $500 million mark worldwide and officially becoming the biggest box office hit of the year so far. And we mentioned this one before, but Action Comics number one has sold on eBay for a record US $3.2 million, making it the most expensive comic ever. The new owners are Vincent Zozolo and Stephen Fischler, owners of the Comic Connect and the sellers of Nicolas Cage's previous record-holding copy. They sniped me at the last I second. I know, I was bidding. <laughs> I could see the two of us were in there. It's like five minutes to go. And I put in my bid and it just suddenly jumped up to 3.2 million. I know, it's crazy. Now, this is the one we were talking about a little while ago where they used the eBay engine. 
but it was it was a closed um, bid. Mm. There was like twenty five people registered to. to I wonder bid. if PayPal would take a three point two million dollar. <laughs> 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 Look, it's interesting. If you actually went to the listing on the site, and it's on YouTube as well, there's a little video on there that that, that it, the owner not only talks about how he came into possession of it, um, but he also talks about the history of the book and what Action Comics number one meant and, and a little bit of history of Superman in there as well. So it's actually really worth going and, and checking that out. And and, and the, the provenance of this book is is immaculate, but you also go back and... And have a look at how that book. This is only the these new owners are the fourth owners of this issue. And there's only like thirty copies in the world. There, there's there. something. There's there's I think there's fifty to hundred copies of it left or something, and only about thirty that are unrestored. Right. So and and of those <coughs> those thirty, there's only a handful. This one is unique because it had it was a nine point CGC rated with crisp white pages. So it was wow. actually. Um, the, the previous copy, the one that was two point something million, Nicholas Cage's copy, had slightly off white pages. So this is probably one of the best copies in the world ever. Although Chuck Rosansky, who runs Mile High Comics, claims that he's got a better ungraded copy uh, that he reckons... Yeah, put your, put your money where your mouth is. That he gra- re- grade it and just show us. That he reckons would be would go for more yeah. money. So, you know, uh, Chuck, Chuck says a lot. Um, As I say, put your money where your mouth is. Get it, gra- <laughs> get it, get it graded and show it to us. Oh, show us your issue. Show us, us your issue. <laughs> Speaking of Australians, um, I think this is about the time when normally we do something called a pick of the week. I think so. Okay, let's. I, I, apparently, according to my show notes, I hit button seven and then button eight. Okay. So I'm going to do that in that order. Okay. Well, see how you like this. What is it, Batman? Whatever it is, it's it's awfully funny. <laughs> It's the pick of the week. Katie Clay is a chef at a successful and hip restaurant, Seconds, but desperately wants to open a second kitchen of her own. The argumentative and spontaneous Katie's rash decisions lead to a minor catastrophe, but shortly after she discovers something magical in her loft apartment, something that gives her a second chance to get things right. It works, but Katie's refusal to let it end with just one do-over complicates her life further and angers the house spirit. Writer and artist Brian Lee O'Malley's mix of magical fantasy and slice-of-life reality will be familiar to fans of his huge hit, Scott Pilgrim, and this is one book you'll probably want to read over and over. This is Seconds. Sorry, guys. I just want to go first, just because um, I don't you have much to say. You never want to go first. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, just that because Richard and I, uh, completely independently of each other, we purchased this on the first couple of days that it yes. came out. Like we were really looking forward to this. Uh, I just wanted to. All I have to say about this is it's a near perfect work, and um, I'm gonna put put down now that it will win an, an Eisner oh, next year. Undoubtedly, I think this. Actually, I was thinking the same thing this morning. I, w- I was looking at the book and. Looking at the cover and thinking, oh, there's no, oh, there's no, this is this is too recent to have you know the little winner of seventeen awards, but it will win best graphic album for sure mm. next year. Um, it'll certainly win. It could possibly win best writer. Mm. Um, but it, it is it is no, and I don't think you you're going too far in saying it's a perfect book because I think I gave it a perfect ten mm. in my review on the site. Um, that's behind the panels, not net. If you're looking, <laughs> uh, it it really is one of those books that, and I, I knew very little about it coming into it, mm. and but I knew Brian Lee O'Malley and I knew Scott Pilgrim, and it's 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 similar and different. It's similar in the sense that it draws on pop culture, that it draws on um, uh, conventions uh, of of video game genres and things like that, but 
it's completely different because it's a slice of life book. That's that, as I said in the intro, it's, it's a mix of magical realism. It's very grown and, up too. It's, uh, but Scott it is Pilgr- very grown up. Scott Pilgrim has a very has a very adolescent feel to it. <laughs> who was it? There was someone I was listening to this morning, and, and apologies because I've forgotten who it was, but said it was a book that they said they they were thirty four years old, almost the same age as me, reading this book, and reading this book they felt thirty four years old. Mm. And I think that's that's such a beautiful, beautiful actually. Yeah, yeah. It remi- reminds me of something um, Kevin Smith said, where he said Clerks was a movie about me being in my twenties, mm. and then Clerks Two is a movie about me being in my thirties, mm. and that kind of makes sense with this too, because uh, Scott Pilgrim is about being in your twenties, mm-hmm. and this is about being in your thirties. Exactly. Even though I think Katie Clay might be a little bit younger than that, um, it is very much about that stage in your life, mm. and I think this is where it starts because she is she's already got a job and and a job well she's a, a business owner she's a business so. owner she's a, she's a co she owns a kitchen basically she yeah. doesn't own the business but she's been working there for she's years she's a co-owner of the business yeah so. just exactly. it's like for creatives in general it is and it, yeah. you know and this reminds me and I think I said this at the time um, not just because it's a cooking uh, related thing but it reminded me of the movie Chef as well yeah. in, in a sense because earlier in the year and it kind of the, the way I felt after reading this because I really connected with this book mm. um, and I haven't connected with this book so much. I, I, th- I believe I said this at the time since Essex County mm, yeah. um, and yeah, I think that, did, that's a yeah. really good good parallel. It, it is kind of like that Jeff Lemire non-superhero uh, stuff that he writes, Essex County, Underwater, Welder, in that it evokes an emotion in you. Um, the story is, yes, fantastical. You know, It is about um, she, basically the, the, the what she takes is she, take, she finds mushrooms uh, that she can take and it gives her a chance to, to do that day or moment or whatever. She writes down a little bit of paper over again. Yeah. She can change it. Um, and you can but it imagine. it has to be relevant two seconds. It has to be mm. within that building. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, as you can imagine, it gets overly complicated as she does this over and over and well, over again. Well, because she breaks the rules. The, she, r- the she, rule yeah. is she can only do it once. Because <laughs> like all game mentality, she tries to hack it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And and that's and that's there is it's a deeply moving it's like deeply it's moving absolutely. but it's, but it's basically what, basically the, the message at the end is you know you can try and cheat life mm. but it's got its own rules it's got its own plans for you and and uh, really what her her realization of the things that are important to her the things that she's been trying to cheat and get around and try and get it all. And it really makes her distill. It also it's it's also very much that the, the concept that that your mistakes are what make you you. Mm, so yes. she's lived her life. She's made choices. And those choices are what are crafting her life. She goes back however long she wants to go back. Because she keeps trying to go back further and further to try mm. and to redo history. The thing is that the world is no longer the world that she yeah. originally was inhabiting mm. because her mistakes didn't exist. Mm. And because her mistakes didn't exist, other things changed. And there's actually one point where, uh, you know, because we do spoilers and all on this, she's married mm. uh, to the man of her dreams, etc. But as she says at one point, she doesn't know yeah. any of their history because she's bypassed it. And so she's making it up as she goes she's along. Got to the end. Yeah, yeah, she's coming halfway through the story and she has no idea where that what the relationship is. Mm. Um, yeah, the cheating analogy is great. <clears throat> she's cheated life. Yeah. Absolutely. There's an old, there's an old um, type game uh, called uh, Space Quest. I remember and, that. Yeah. And, when oh, yeah. you, and when you type in cheat, it just takes you to the end credits and it says you've completed the game 110%. <laughs> like, that's kind of really indicative of like what it Richard's is. saying. Like, that's what you do when you cheat. You lose everything. You miss everything. And, and it is because it's like we know from Scott Pilgrim he's got this gamer mentality. He uses gamer mm. motifs in, in, in his book. And obviously it's not as overt because Scott Pilgrim was very much about like a literal game as applied to life. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, whereas that sort of book starts with Scott Pilgrim's dating a teenager – 
uh, I was dating a high school girl. This starts with two quotes, and I think I think it's worth reading them out because I think they they kind of set the the tone for the whole thing. What the first one's by uh, Italo Calvino uh, from um, the poem "If If on a Winter's Night a Traveller." Um, I felt a kind of vertigo as if I were merely plunging from one world to another, and in each I arrived shortly, shortly after the end of the world had taken place, which is is, is what we were talking about mm-hmm. just then. The other one is, of course, uh, his uh, very pop culture reference uh, song that, that I'll play later. Um, and I said, could it be me? Could it really, really be over and over? And that's Fleetwood Mac, of mm. course. Um, and he said he was playing that a lot when he was writing this. And it really does. Like, And, and I think... You, you get that in this. You get the pop cultural influences in there, but only so much as that all those influences are part of our lives. Like we all have a soundtrack to our lives. We all have certain – and there's apparently just lines of dialogue in here, and I didn't, certainly didn't catch them all, which are taken directly out of songs. Right. Which are taken, you know, directly out of, uh, you know, literature and, and, and other influences that clearly will have influenced Katie Clay. I like – one of the, my favourite things about this book is that she – is almost hyper aware that she's in a story as well because and that and oh, she talks back to the she, narrator. She, the, I love that the narrator's like telling her, you know, uh, no, saying you know she was feeling this, Ooh. and then she goes like, "Shut up," you know. <laughs> it's kind Just of no, like, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, and and arguing the narrator at that point. So, but it's got and and it, and it's almost and and this sort of where the art style comes into it as well because you've got that very manga influenced art on it to the point where you know you have the big beads of sweat appearing yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know huge over the top tears pouring out sometimes and one of the things O'Malley did he did it in uh, Scott Pilgrim and he does it here as well which is where he emphasizes something it's like she sweeps the floor and the word sweep is yeah. written across yeah, the floor yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is why he's a master because yeah, the, the layouts in the comic are mind blowing because yeah. little little tiny thing and it was in Scott Pilgrim too Scott Pilgrim is unbelievable Unbelievably laid out, and this mm. is too. But just the little directions, they point you to like stay longer on the panel. Yeah. So then it, it, it makes you pace it the because way that he wants you to read it. Well, my, my, my point was uh, with that because the manga influence stuff, it, it, it is already very self referential. Yeah. So he's, he's following that. But when you're talking about staying longer on the panel, yeah. um, these really, really tight mm. panels, super tight panels, yeah. like we're talking. We're and we're not. We're talking about a half-sized book here compared to most uh, graphic Ooh. novels. And comics. Well, it is literally hardback novel size. It's hardback yeah. novel size, and I'm looking at one panel here where she's pulling mushrooms out of the um, out of the ground. And on this very small page, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen panels mm. yeah. on this very small page. That. Uh, like even Alan Moore did in directing his books, you know, tight little panels control exactly what David was just saying. Uh, control how you read that, you know, yeah. it, it controls the pace of how you read it. And 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 you know, we talked about Saga before having that big splash page reveal, and that's how you use a splash page. Well, this is how you use confined panels. Absolutely. And what's really interesting it, it, though it, is sorry. that he'll he'll go from sixteen panels mm. on a page to, to the average, which is splashes. like four. Yeah. You know, where he has four panels on a page, or he does one panel to a page. Or we should say up front, the art is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And the, that's the kind of thing. It's like um, when you have these big splash pages, like they they show you the geography of the location, and you completely know where you are at all times. But yeah, exactly. Like here's a good example here of like it's almost like a cross section view, like something you'd see in a Wes Anderson movie, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. But um, Wes Anderson's a really good reference because yeah. it's really got that sort of. It really does it. have that very idiosyncratic, like you know, feeling to it. But there's a sensation that he gives with this book that's almost really hard to to pinpoint exactly what it is. But it's also like uses of color, like when she goes into those sort of there's revisions. Yeah, you know, I guess you could describe them best as like a fugue state or a, a drug state mm. or. But it's like there's something I, – I, one of the first things I said to Richard when we finished reading it was that 
it kind of makes you feel stoned when you look at it because the writing is red, the bubble lines are red, everything is this red, and so it hurts your eyes. And and if if you've partaked, you know, um, once or twice <clears throat> in your life, um, no, we do not yeah, encourage yeah, that yeah, on this show. <laughs> then then you know it kind of gets you close to that feeling that your your eyes kind of tend to get in, in some situations. You know that. Oh, so you've heard. Oh, so I've heard, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of aware. Yeah. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but there are, especially if you have dry, if you suffer from dry eyes. <laughs> right, there are certain <laughs> panels here where it's almost like there's a fog over mm. what you're reading because he's changed mm. the colour up. Yeah. And it's so intentional. It makes you sort of get into a headspace. That, yeah. And it's I, don't know, I feel that throughout the whole book. To, to me, the whole book feels as though this this is a very real place for O'Malley. Like this, mm. is, this is a place where he's actually lived there. He's actually been through it. And so you get that very very natural, realistic approach to the book. And so it makes all those fantastic magical elements just feel organic. They feel like an organic extension of like, of mm. course, of course there'd be a house spirit, mm. you know? Of course yeah. there'd, there'd be a, a pot that brings in negative vibes, mojo you know, into yeah, the... Into yeah, the, you know, the, you and know. I just want to take a step further even. Like, I feel that this was something that he'd been sitting on for years, oh, that it had that been feeling. fought out yeah. that, that well, you know... Um, I'll be amazed if it doesn't win an Eisner, actually. I'll I'd be, be amazed, amazed if it doesn't get turned into a film. Actually. This is one thing I, w- I would like to say, though. I don't think this could be a movie. I think it could. I think that's one of the best things about Interestingly about enough, I think the, it could. The, the straightforward narrative element of it could be. Uh, but I don't yeah. think it would be a very good And there'd have to be some You'd changes. never capture the... But the, no, the usage yeah. of the tree and the, the way that, like, fil- like the images are related to you... I don't it know opens with a picture of... I think the first page that you get to is a picture of Idrisil. Mm. Basically, the 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 tree that connects everything. But it's just like you just flick to any page. I'm on the very first page, and it's like he's doing a sequence where she wakes up. Yeah. So there's not many panels at all, and, and the panels that there are, there are small, and there's a lot of white space. And then as as she wakes up, the panels increase. It's just stuff like that that just drives you it, mad. It, it's a book that it uses the comic layout. I mean, it's even little things. There was a page I was looking at before, and I can't find it now. But it was she's when she's looking here. It is, and it's page eighty three. If you're playing along at home where she's first seeing, uh, well, not first seeing, so you, you see her fairly early on, but when she's first come to the realisation of her house spirit. and Liz. Liz, there you go. And she goes through and it's, and it's just these little close-ups. The girl was all gangly limbs, close-up of the legs. Yeah. You know, ghostly white hair. You just see the hair and nothing else in that frame. Two, and then you, you see a picture of all the clothes that she's wearing, which is like a T-shirt with a jacket on top of it. Too many layers. And it actually <laughs> says too many layers on the clothes. Yeah. And I really love that stuff. And then it gets even closer into the shirt. Was she even real? It's little details. You know, just little details like that. And then you can go entire pages without dialogue. Mm. I know we're running time, but I just got one more little thing to add. It's just that the character design is like, Absolutely unreal. Well, as well, I was about to say, let's yeah. let's talk about also not just the character design, but the well, writing, the yeah, writing the, itself, the, the writing of the characters themselves. But I just want to bring up the design because, like, there's that whole adage in in animation and cartoon and character design. Like, if you can, if you understand who they are in silhouette, then it's, it's an amazing yes. design. And like in this here, it's a great example because of that and the coloring. You know exactly who's who and when. Yeah, I was about to say, and, and, and the, and the, the char- dialogue and everything else just adds. But not just more. that, the, the characterization as well. From the friend Irene, is it? Yes. Yeah, Irene, mm. and to the to the bimbo waitress yeah. who talks too much. You sit there and you go, every one of these characters is so well defined. Yeah. To mm. the to the chubby little kitchen hand, mm. to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the one she's having the affair with, and you sit there and go, like I, a, yeah. by the time you finish this book, you feel like you, you know, know everybody, yeah. and, and they're all going to go on and live and exist outside of this book. Mm. Yeah. The yeah. other 
thing I like. It's kind of like talking about the simple designs. It just made me remember something that the Simpson, uh, Matt Groening actually mm. said years ago about. He said the reason that those models work so well is because they're very simple. They're very simple characters. Mm. You know, you've got the the big round eyes. Um, you know, and the mouth expression, so forth, right? If you want to make that person look a little bit tired, one line under the eye mm. does it. Yep. If they're really tired and haggard, two lines under the eye. That's all. All it takes. And and he demonstrated this, and you can see how one line on such a familiar silhouette changes that character completely. Mm. And this is kind of what O'Malley's approach is here. Very simple designs, but beautiful colors mm. as well. That Ooh. give it a sort of a rich and depth. It's, and to it's it. and it's not like a, a negative on it at all. It's like if anything, but like a, a massive praise. No, yeah, uh, because that's the kind of thing. It's like simple design like this is some of the hardest stuff to ever do. If it was too complicated, yeah. if the art was too realistic, mm. you wouldn't buy into it as much. Yeah. somehow it it it, it you, it's like traveling about. across the country without a map. Yeah, you know, because because yeah. it's so simple. It's like as you say, a one line can yeah. can make it to change. Well, then the possibilities are infinite. Can I also Absolutely. say that one of the things I loved about this book... It's beautiful, Yeah, One of the things I loved about this book as well is because it was unpredictable. Yes. Um, I thought I had the ending mm. uh, halfway through uh. the book. My uh, Spoilers and all people, this is one of our picks, but I actually really believed that the end of this book would be her taking the last mushroom and basically in her regrets book mm, saying, yeah. I wish I'd never taken the first mushroom yeah. Yeah. and taking it all the way back to the beginning. And that's not where it went. No, you know, and I, and I love the fact that it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. But we you want know? you to go out and discover yeah. this book. We want you to buy this book we and, and live it yourself yes. because we all had our own journey getting to this microphone, yeah. uh, getting here. Uh, I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to read it again, but I will uh, before. The oh, show. I plan on reading it again. this But week. I will yeah, read, read it again before the end of the year. Too, like yeah. it is, it is one of. Well, we've got a lot of comics to read. Well, for week. how big a book? But this is very important for how big a book this is. And we're talking what is it? Three hundred pages? Yeah, it's 300 and, 320 pages. Three hundred twenty pages. You know how we're always talking about comics one hundred and one. Yeah, maybe this is the time because well, this is a beautiful thing. One. If I had my soundboard up, in front of me right now, yeah. this would be comics. Welcome to comics one hundred and one. There you go. Yeah, like just wrap it up. Give gift it to someone. This is a Christmas gift for oh, everybody you know. Everyone, exactly. Yeah, everybody yeah. you know. I gave it copies. to a friend, gave it back to me the next day, so it was wonderful. Yeah, that's it. And this know, is, yeah. But this is the point I was about to get to. 300 and something pages, you can read it in one sitting. Yeah. yeah. It is a, not a hard read, but it is just an emotional journey. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. This is mm. must-read stuff. Um, in fact, and I said to you before, controversial, I don't know. There are people out there who are rabid fans. This is better than Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. This is a more grown-up, and it is a much more mature yeah. work. Okay, um, well, I mean, look, I think we've, we've praised yeah. Comics 101. We've praised about as highly as we can praise it. So next week, though, if you're playing along at home and you want to read ahead, and maybe you've read it already, Fatal. This is Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. We you mean Fatal? To- <laughs> Fatal, uh, lady. Um, this is noir at its its finest. I've I've read the first few arcs, but I'll be reading it all again from the beginning. Uh, if you're reading Fade Out at the moment, same creators. If you've it gets read Criminals, like, right? very late. So it's yeah. like it's like film noir meets Lovecraft, and that's so if that's exciting. not enough to sell you, then then. Go, go and read some more stuff. I'm a major Lovecraft fan. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a so huge there's Lovecraft There's an Archie comic for you somewhere. There's an Archie comic for you. Get ready somewhere. for Lovecraftness next week Actually, then. <laughs> let's, let's not dismiss Archie because they're doing some pretty cool That's stuff true. at the moment. Um, so next week, Fatal is our major pick. All the other books we spoke about before. Um, you can find me on Twitter at DVD Bits. You can find me at BehindThePanels.net and Newsarama. 
Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at David McVeigh or at geekactually.com, home of all of this. Or you can find us in the flesh at Oz Comic Con in a couple of weeks. You won't find me at Oz Comic Con, unfortunately. I'm away filming. We'll find you in the Blue Mountains or something. But yeah, I'll be, in, <laughs> I'll be in the wilderness. <laughs> Weenie Creek people, look it up. You'll, you'll be scared. You'll find him via yeah. carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Smoke signals that we'll do. <laughs> but, um, but I'll be here next week and, and we'll see you then. So. Okay, so until then, I'm Richard Gray. I'm Dave McVeigh. Dave Longo. And this... It's behind the panels.